home of the pens and the best pens coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh and iHeart Radio Station. Very rarely do I admit when I'm wrong because I'm almost never wrong. And even when I am wrong, that's probably too strong a description. It would be better to say that I'm not exactly right. Because I'm a super genius with a tested IQ of 166. But Chad Ruedel is an okay defenseman. Phil Bork told me. Mike Lang told me. I didn't listen, but now I've got to. Chad Ruedel isn't Eddie Shore or even Ron Stackhouse. But he's not a disaster, which is a welcome change for Matt Hunwick. Let's look at how Ruedel has played since getting back in the lineup after sitting for over two months, by the way. In five games, Ruedel's plus-minus is even, and he's got a goal and an assist. Nine blocks, which is pretty good, and five hits. Those numbers are okay, and that's all Chad Ruedel needs to be is okay. He's right-handed. As a defenseman in the NHL, sometimes that's all you need to be is right-handed. Left-handed pitchers, right-handed defensemen. Ruedel makes very clean breakout passes. That's a big arrow in his quiver. I do feel bad for Ole Matta because he's partnered up with Ruedel to kind of cover. You know, the good guy with the shaky guy, but that's costing Matta some minutes. But hey, it's for the greater good. Anyway, give Chad Ruedel credit. He's okay. And okay is better than MH. As in Matt Hunwick. Sick Again brought to you by 84 Lumber. Helping you build the right way since 1956. Don't forget tonight at Tequila Cowboy, it's the Great Pittsburgh Sports Debate. It's me, Pursuta, Crowley, Benz, and Saverin. VIP tickets are still available, I think. Maybe they're all gone. If you want one, go to WXDX.com. Uh, getting back to Ruedel. Ruedel has played well since getting scratched. Sat out two months, came back, plenty of energy, obviously, and has done well. Carter Rowney has done okay in the two games he's played since getting scratched for a few. Sometimes the best thing for borderline guys is to get scratched for a while. They might have meager skills, but adrenaline can up the ante. For a bit, anyway. Uh, Ron Hainsey, ex of this parish, leads the Toronto Maple Leafs in block shots. When he was asked about the skill set required, Hainsey said, quote, Well, if you're caught standing in the way between you and the goalie as a skill set, then I guess that would be accurate, unquote. There you go. It's that simple. You just get in the way. Look at Ruedel. You don't think of him as this tough-minded stalwart like Ian Cole was, but Ruedel's got nine blocks in five games. If Ruedel played every game and blocked shots at that pace, Ruedel would lead the Penguins in blocks. It's not rocket surgery. I want to get back briefly to that NHL MVP debate. Because it took me up 
a bit of time to figure out that Taylor Hall of the Devils was getting talked up because he's Canadian. And probably the leading Canadian candidate, unless you want to go with McDavid, because he is third in scoring, even though Edmonton has had a very disappointing season. Now, uh, coming up fast is Nathan McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon is currently fourth in the league in scoring. He's got 82 points, and he missed a few games. He's only played 61. Missed 10 games or so. Colorado is a borderline playoff team, so you'd think he'd get considered given his citizenship. Like I said, Taylor Hall, 14th in the league in scoring. His team right now is the first wild card in the East. Now, here's what shows the prejudice. Not prejudice. That's a, a word too serious to be applied to this. But but preference is given to Canadian players by Canadian writers. No question about that because nobody's talking about Johnny Gaudreau of Calgary, who has 80 points. He is seventh in the NHL in scoring. Uh, the Flames are a borderline team, like Colorado and New Jersey. Right now, Colorado is the number one wild card in the West, but uh, Calgary is just two points behind them, just out of the wild card. But you hear a lot of talk about Taylor Hall as MVP. Some talk about Nathan McKinnon as MVP. They're both Canadian, although McKinnon's from Nova Scotia, so not really. And I'm not kidding when I say that. That's like like to the Canadian writers, Ontario counts, Western Canada counts, Quebec and Nova Scotia, and eh, not so much. Gaudreau's American. So even though he's seven points above Taylor Hall in the scoring race, and both their teams are borderline playoff teams, Hall's getting talked up, and Gaudreau might as well be invisible. I would like again to quote that great philosopher who will remain nameless for the time being, although I think you know who said it. Actually, have I cited that that Mario said this? Oops. Mario Lemieux once said, I judge myself by Stanley Cups and scoring titles because nobody votes on those. And that really is the way to go when stuff like MVP voting in the NHL really is a mess. Let's go to Alex in Greensburg. Alex, real quick, you're on with Mark. Hey, Mark, uh, you know, so much star power in the power play with Kessel, Sid, Gino, obviously. But don't you think the real difference is horny, uh, that net for presence? I mean, it is hard to stop a horny pee-pee from sticking it in. Yeah, I know you thought that would be funny saying stuff like horny and horny pee-pee and, and stuff like that. But I'll tell you what, we have caller ID, we'll get your information, and I bet you'll be second in command at Barstool Sports by the end of the week. Now, seriously, that guy calls up, he says, horny pee-pee, stick it in. Did he really think that would be funny to anybody that's not a lame brain? Isn't that amazing? You know you know what's funny? I've come to accept that, like, the frat boy nonsense like Barstool and Dad spin in the big lead, it appeals to stupid people. And there's a lot of stupid people out there. Unsuccessful people, too. Whatever. Like I told one critic today, 
My ratings are higher than ever. My revenue's higher than ever. My money's higher than ever. So if this new podcasting revolution is hurting legitimate media, it certainly hasn't come to my street just yet. Mike, we're up at the bottom of the hour at 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. He erupts, he clears his throat, says something meaningless. Dude went in a fight, Lemmy or God? I think it's a trick question, Lemmy is God. The X at 105.9. We reported earlier that Chris Hubbard signed a $37.5 million deal with the Browns. That's over five years with 18 mil guaranteed. But apparently the only true guarantee for Hubbard is 6.5 mil because the Browns have an out in the contract. Nonetheless, Hubbard's a good player. I think he'll get most of that money in Cleveland because I think he'll do a good job for them. It is funny how he signed today, though, and Joe Thomas retired. I really thought the Browns were going to make progress through this offseason, but losing a leader like Joe Thomas, arguably the best left tackle in history and certainly the best left tackle of his era, it's got to hurt. He had a pretty bad injury, and I'm surprised uh, he didn't give it a go at rehab, although he has other irons in many fires. He might wind up being an analyst on Monday Night Football. But anyway, uh, the free agency's crazy. You hear the figures, but you don't know what people are really getting. Look at Case Keenum go to the Broncos. The guy's basically only started one season in the league. He got 36 mil, 25 of it guaranteed, from Denver for two years. Just two years. So that's a lot of money over two years, and if he plays good, he goes right back into free agency while he's still in his prime, which is the situation with Kirk Cousins getting the three-year deal with uh, Minnesota. You might think you want a longer contract, but these links, which get you know guys like Cousins and Keenum back in free agency in their prime, yeah, there's a gamble there, but it's a gamble that could pay off Tens of millions of dollars to the good. And I respect it. Them for taking the chance and the team for taking a risk as well because if those guys do well, I mean, quarterbacks are so scarce, they're going to want to retain those guys. We got Mike Rupp at the bottom of the hour. We're debating uh, the MVP, and we're debating who the greatest Russian hockey player of all time is. Does Evgeny Malkin have a chance to be remembered as that. Uh, Obviously, Pittsburgh has such a huge Russian community that should uh, get a lot of calls. Da or net, Malkin number one, or Ovechkin number one, America and Canada. Ha! Tui! Let's go to Jeff in Wexford. Jeff, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mr. Brad, thanks for taking my call. A uh, free agency, Eric Ebron was released from the Lions. I think he'd be a good upgraded tight end, former first-round pick, so a lot of upside. Yeah, the last time they tried to upgrade that tight end position with Ladarius Green, it didn't work out so good. And isn't Ebron the guy that got picked like ahead of, of uh, Aaron Donald? I mean, he's like one of the biggest busts uh, in recent first-round history, isn't he? I don't know, but his numbers were better than... Uh, I'm going to guess they weren't too good if he got released by the Lions. 
have to look them up. You do that and then call another show. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine. Uh, Arizona released Teron Matthew, the honey badger, and he tweeted, I want to go somewhere where football and defense matters to a place where I can immerse myself in the game in a culture of winning, unquote. And Cam Hayward replied, tell him to give me a call, LOL. Actually, that wouldn't be a bad pickup, the honey badger, but I got a feeling he's going to get more somewhere than the Steelers want to spend. Now, in terms of getting that Ebron, I mean, the Steelers have Jesse James, Vance McDonald. Is Vance McDonald a free agent, or is he still under contract with the Steelers? It doesn't matter. They're not going to sign anybody today anyway. 412-333-9939. We talk hockey next with Mike Rupp. I'm the super genius. Don't forget... The Great Pittsburgh Sports Debate is tonight at Tequila Cowboy. That's the home away from home for former Steelers offensive coordinator Todd Haley. So come on down. See the chalk outline that Todd Haley once was lying inside and check out the Great Pittsburgh Sports Debate with me, Pursuta, Crowley, Saverin, and Benz. Oh, and Benz McDonald is signed through 2021. So, he ain't going nowhere. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 X. This is Evgeny Malkin, and you are listening to Mark Madden on 105.9 X. It's time to talk hockey. Joining me now, X of the Penguins, a Stanley Cup champ with New Jersey. You can see him on AT&T Sportsnet and the NHL Network. It's Mike Rupp. Robert, let me throw a curveball at you to start. Who's the best Russian player ever in NHL history? It's got to be Ovechkin or Malkin, right? Ooh, that's a that is a nice curveball. Um, oh man, that one's tough. I mean, I think it's pretty fair to say those are the two, the top two, right? I mean, there's been a lot of greats, but I mean, those are the two that that jump out. Uh, I think the most. Um, I, I still think you got to give it to Gino, and and I really trying to look at that with some transparency and nothing to do with playing for the pens. I just think what he's done in his career and um, up to this point, uh, that yeah, holds a higher standard. So uh, up to this point, I'd say Evgeny Malkin. It's really a good debate, though, Robert, because Malkin has three cups to Ovi's none, but Ovi has scored over 200 more goals. So with the other one doesn't got, the the first one has a lot of. Yeah, no, it's um, the funny thing is the completely unique players. I, I literally had there's nobody that I can think of. Um, you know, my my uh, years of watching hockey as a kid growing up. So you're talking the '80s till now. I mean, there's nobody that that plays the game like like Alex Ovechkin. I mean, we, there's goal scorers. Sure, we saw Brett Hall, but if Brett Hall didn't play the game that Ovi plays. Um, you know, just skating 100 miles an hour, finishing all his checks, all the ice. And then you get a guy like Gino. Gino, to me, is he's he's got a little bit of, uh, I don't know. I, Gino's like a blend for me of uh, Mario and um, y- even a little bit, uh, sounds kind of funny, even a little bit of Eric Lindros. 
and then uh, a little more of a, um, you know, a silkier, uh, uh, just a European grade. I mean, he's kind of a blend of everything. Both of them are so unique. Uh, there's not many players that we've seen that have ever certainly haven't accomplished what they've done as far as Russian-born players, but that do it in the way that they do. I, I know what you mean uh, about the Lindros comparison because Gino this year more than ever can kind of bully the game when the situation calls, can he? That's that's the biggest adjective I, I like to use to to describe him. He's he's a bully, and when he's a bully, look out. Uh, he you don't want to you don't want to poke the bear. Um, there's certain games, and and I know from playing on the other side against the Pens too. There's certain games and, and players in the league where you sit there in the locker room before the game, and you know just talking about all the uh, you know good road period, yada yada. And then you always say when you're playing the Pittsburgh Penguins, don't poke the bear, don't just let them sleep, let them sleep out there because um, if you get them going, that's when he turns into bully mode, and, and he can he can take over a game, and and that's. That's something uh, that I think I, I see a, a Lindros kind of side in him. Now, in that vein, who's the MVP right now? Because I think Malkin has overtaken Kucherov based on Gino's play since January 1st. In the new year, Rupper, Gino has 25 goals and 51 points. Kucherov has 9 goals and 38 points. Yeah, I would say that... Um... I would say that those two are the definite. I mean, for me, they're, they're two of the finalists for sure. Um, the other one will have to decide. Right now, it looks like you know, for me, that Taylor Hall's starting to. I don't want to say fade. Geez, he just had the what twenty-six game point streak. Um, but I, this Devils team has such an uphill battle with this road trip they're on. The teams they're playing in the next little bit, it's going to be very difficult. I mean, he has to do something out of this world to get this team, I think, to make this playoffs. Uh, that takes me to Nathan McKinnon. Whatever guy takes, put it this way, if Nathan McKinnon takes Colorado to the playoffs or Taylor Hall does, I think either of those guys win it. I think that's they would get the votes. They would win it. If neither of them make the playoffs, now you're talking about a two-horse race with Malkin and, and, and Kucherov. So I think it's a little bit of a contingency on if the team gets in or not in Colorado and New Jersey, but um, Gino has been uh, crazy. When you look at his goals over um, how many how many goals he's had over a certain stretch, uh, it's insane. Uh, he's he's doing it in a way I think that we haven't even seen him do before in his career. Who's the best team in the East right now? And you really you got to narrow it down to uh, the Atlantic Division. Tampa Bay's won eight of ten. So is Florida. Boston's won seven of ten, and that's without Bergeron. And McAvoy's hurt, too. If it was today, and, and talking about who's hot today and if the playoffs were to start today, um, I would say Boston, but Boston's got a rash of injuries right now. We know about Charlie McAvoy last night. Last night's game, uh, they lost Dano Chara and was it Brandon Carlo or Tory Krug, one of the two. I mean, they, they're literally, they were down, they were down uh, three of their top defensemen. Um, they've got they've got uh, Patrice Bergeron banged up, so I'm going to go with Tampa still. But Tampa's letting in a lot of goals lately, and they don't look to be so airtight defensively. So uh, I don't know if it's going to take a little bit of time for them. I mean, you talk about chemistry and 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 not want to not 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 chemistry like bringing in a JT Miller or a Ryan McDonough. It's not going to alter it uh, that you know personality wise. I just mean. 
the flow of the way things are going. Now everybody's kind of adjusting a little differently, trying to find tendencies of one another. Um, healthy today, Boston Bruins, they're not healthy, so I'm going to say Tampa. In the Metro, we got the top teams kind of treading water, Rupper. It seems like no one wants to pull away. Yeah, it's... Um, It'll be, uh, it seems like you, you win one, you drop one, and, and back and forth. But I think that that's kind of the beauty of this division and really this, the conference for in a lot of time, in a lot of different ways. I mean, look at the teams right now that are stealing games and stealing points across the league, but we'll keep it in the Eastern Conference. You've got the Ottawa Senators all of a sudden now they're, they're winning hockey games pretty consistently as far as they're no easy out. They're playing kind of a freelance game. Um, you never know what you're going to get with the Carolina Hurricanes. Last night was just a demoralizing loss for them against Boston with four four straight goals against for the Bruins or for the Bruins. Um, and oh, and the Bruins it, scored three goals in 77 seconds. It was like you said, demoralizing. Yeah, they're they're done. But and then you got the Florida Panthers with a team on the outside. So I mean, that, I just feel like that's just kind of how the conference is right now. I mean, you're just sitting there. I think you do not want to play a team on the outside right now because you just never know. I mean, you're rolling the dice. You don't know what kind of game you're going to get. And you're trying to get your game dialed in and, and, and you know pay attention to the details of it. When you play those types of teams, they're not really paying attention to the details. They're kind of just playing hockey, and, and it's difficult. So uh, I think that's why you see a lot of these teams win one, lose one right now in the Metro. Um, you put three games together, you're golden. You, you win another three games in a row, you're golden, so we'll see if the Penguins can uh, can keep it going here and and, uh, and try to get a big one against uh, New York Rangers. We're talking to Mike Rupp. He's brought to you by Auto Palace Porsche. Uh, Rupp, as you mentioned, the Penguins play the Rangers tonight at MSG, and the Rangers are 4-2-1 since the McDonough trade, so at least they haven't given up. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's kind of funny the way it, it works. I mean, that's another team that I was just mentioning in the Eastern Conference Metro Division, the, the Rangers. I mean, you've got Ryan Spooner going there, and he's doing fantastic. You have Matt Zuccarello, two big goals last game. Um, they're they're winning games. They're 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 finding a way. It's the guys are playing for jobs and trust of the coaching staff and and the GM and trying to place themselves on the depth chart certain areas. And some guys are getting the first crack. I mean, you got to a goaltender uh, that's trying to get his experience here uh, against the Pens, and, and, and those are dangerous situations because, once again, you never know what you're going to get in that game. Um, you know, adrenaline is a, a funny thing, and, and you can scoot by for a little bit. So when you look at rosters of a team like the Rangers right now, you could say, yeah, well, look at how many young guys, guys are getting an opportunity. But it, adrenaline can mask a lot of deficiencies for a stretch. A couple weeks you can get through when, when guys are playing like that. Um, and that seems what like what, what uh, a lot of these teams are doing. Now, looking at the Penguins' D, Matt Hunwick's been a scratch. Chad Ruedel is in the lineup. What's your take on Ruedel? Because I think he's right-handed, and he's been okay, and maybe that's all he needs to be. Yeah, I, I think it's... Um, I think that's a big thing for, for him is to stay within himself. I, I, I actually think he, he can do everything... Uh, a little, he could do everything good. You know, I wouldn't say he's great in, in one thing or another, um, but he's he's solid, and that's what you want. I mean, we're not talking, we're not asking him to play top pair. Um, he's a he's a guy that just needs to be good. And when you don't notice Chad Ruedel or any 
any depth defenseman, that's a good thing. If you're not asking after the game or, or seeing certain things, a lot of coaches will say, hey, if I don't notice you, that's a good thing when you're on the back end there because you're always in such a polarizing position. So he just needs to be solid. You know, look for your outlet passes. I mean, this team wants to advance the puck and get it on the tape like every team. Get through the neutral zone with good passes, good first passes. You don't have it, off the glass. I've seen guys make a ton of money, long careers doing those types of things, played with a bunch. Uh, you look for your option. You don't like your you don't like your chances with it. High off the glass, live to fight another day. Connor Sherry certainly plays best when he's with Sidney Crosby. But is that what's best for Sidney Crosby, Rupper? Uh, Mike Sullivan keeps going back to that combination, Gensel with Sid and Connor Sherry. And I think Gensel's a great fit. But what's your take on Sherry uh, continuing to play with Sid? That seems to me like so two years ago. Yeah, it seems like every time they do it, though, when, they, when they're away from it and they come back to it, it provides a nice spark. So I think that's one of the things that Sully has in his back pocket that he knows that there's a good chance he can get a spark out of, and it works. My take on, on Sherry is I, I like him. I think he's a creative player. I think he's goes into certain areas um, probably more so than most his size. And But the thing is, is I, I think he, in his career, we need to figure out or he needs to figure out how to contribute when he's not with Sid. And I don't even mean points-wise because um, obviously you're going to get more points playing with Sidney Crosby than you would playing on any other line. Um, or even him playing for, with Evgeny Malkin or, or whatever. When you're playing on a third line, you're going to uh, your points are going to come down. But how else can you contribute in that night? You know, you got to find a way to do it. And I, I feel like when he's not to answer your question, when he's not with Sid, he, I don't notice him as much. And so you could say, does that hurt Sid? Uh, I don't think it, anything really hurts Sid, and I think Sid will still get his his points and drive offense, but it certainly hurts Connor Sherry. So it almost gets to the point where if, if you're going to have him effective, he's got to be a Sid or do you have any other options in the lineup? To, you know what I mean? It, well, you can put of, Rusty with Sid. I like, I like Rusty's uh, speed with Crosby and Sherry's okay on the third line with Broussard and Kessel. But I, but don't, don't, but see, that's, that's an interesting comparable. Brian Rust, it doesn't matter who he plays with. He's gonna, you're gonna notice him in the game. He's gonna be effective. He's gonna contribute to the team's winning. You know what I mean? So those are kind of the intangibles I think that have to be learned for a young player like Connor Sherry. A young player that's had quite a bit of success already in his career, but those are the things that I think will really separate. And then you don't have to rack your brain or a coach doesn't have to of how to fit him in, how to get him going. I, yeah, I mean, listen, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins right now with Derek Broussard and Phil Castle, I'm pretty sure that's not a too too bad of a third line. So, uh, but he, he, that's moving moving forward in his career. I think he just needs to find a way to um, contribute in other ways, so he he doesn't get squeezed out when he's not playing with the top end guys. Rupper is always great analysis. We'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good. That's Mike Rupp. Brought to you by Auto Palace Porsche. Make every day a Porsche day with the new Macan. Up next, I'll talk to Bob McLaughlin. Dejan Kovacevic next hour, and the great Pittsburgh sports debate tonight at Tequila Cowboy on the north side, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. You're like, what the hell? Hey, Mark. Hey, what? Super genius, big fan. It's Ringling Brothers time. <laughs> <laughs> the X at 105.9.
I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, uh, earlier in the show I talked about a notion that when the NHL goes to 32 teams, which will be adding one more, probably be Seattle, they should increase the playoff field uh, over the current number, which is 16. What are your thoughts on that? At first blush, uh, no need to fix it. It's not broken. I like it the way it is. Um, but then you also talked about having just a single one-off play-in game. Well, right. Um, have the have the uh, have a twenty-team playoff field, and the bottom eight play a one-game play-in to get to the best of sevens. Thinking about that as you just, kind of, just like baseball, yeah, just as just like baseball. Um, I don't know. I, I might be able to come around on that one. Like I said, I don't think it needs fixed at all. I like it the way it is right now, but that's because we haven't experienced, you know, the one game play in. So and that's because the Penguins have made the playoffs every year that we could remember. Exactly, but that train's going to come to an end sometime soon, and we're going to need, we, you know, the Penguins might need that game to get fully into the round of sixteen. So, um, but don't you think that the NHL would dork it up? Oh my god! And make yeah. it best of three. And make the make the the twelve top seeds sit around for a week. Yeah, can't take that scenario. This has to be your you know your suggestion of a one. It has game to be one game playoff for the bottom eight seeds, uh, or you just leave it at sixteen. Right, I could see that. I mean, that would dial up the pressure and the reward, obviously, at the end of a season. So yeah, I could probably come around to that. But I like it the way it is right now. No need to you know monkey with it. Pitt talked to Tom Crean today about coaching their men's hoop team. You hate Tom Crean. Why? Because of the old Big East days against Pitt, he was a loud mouth. You know, he was always out on the court at Marquette. Um, at Marquette, uh, you know, I just didn't remember like when him. Dwayne Wade just killed Pitt. Killed. Yes, killed I him. do. That's part of the reason I hate Tom Crean. So, well, but my um, producer was a guy named John Bridge at the time. He went to Marquette, and everybody was thinking Pitt would, you know, beat Marquette. I mean, they weren't, you know, I think they were favored, weren't they, Bob? Oh, over I Marquette. So, yeah. Not not by a large margin. No, but remember, but... Marquette came up fast when they got that talent. Oh, yeah. Marquette oh, yeah. all of a sudden was a national. But John I mean... Bridge, my producer, said, I don't know. This Wade guy's pretty good. <laughs> the next thing you know, bada boom, pits out. But but is Crean a good coach? That That's a question I want to ask you. Well, I think he is a It'd good coach. It'd be expensive. He would be expensive. It would Three take... mil a year at least. Yeah, when this name, when the first sporting news last week um, put out their top eight candidates for this, he was in there and I tweeted, Boy, it'd take a Pitt fans a lot of time probably to warm up to Tom Crean. Oh no, I don't think so. I think desperate times call for desperate measures, and and really any measure that would involve bringing in a coach with any kind of decent reputation, which Crean definitely has. Yeah, and that's what I was going to get to. You know, first blush, yeah, I don't like that guy. You know, he was the enemy for a long time, but he walked into a tough situation at Indiana. You know, they were down on the mat when he walked in there. He turned that program around. They did pretty well for a while, and then he faltered again, but it's such a different world right now in college basketball. You know, you see the some of the big names falling. You see some of these names creeping up, and now they're perennial. Well, you know you know what a big part of it is, too, Bob? Uh one reason why Pitt struggled, and Duquesne for that matter, is there aren't that many good players coming out of the Whitfield or the City League anymore. And I think that's happened in Indiana, too. Exactly. I think Indiana used to be the state for high school basketball, as witnessed by the movie Hoosiers. I don't think basketball has got it like that anymore in Indiana. I, I think, like Pittsburgh, they still produce X amount of good players, but it used to be just such a a, 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 a place where you could cherry-pick I always go back looking at it from Pittsburgh's point of view. When I was at Duquesne, Fifth Avenue had this team that won states with Warner Macklin and Sam Clancy. 
And uh, their third or fourth best player, if he's listening, forgive me if I got it wrong, Bill, was a guy I went to Duquesne with briefly, Bill Clark. And uh, he, he was, like I said, Fifth Avenue's third or fourth best player. And he came to Duquesne and started right away. <laughs> and, and he was the third or fourth best player on, on a local team albeit a very good one, you don't have that anymore, Bob. You just don't. No, and you don't have the pipeline. You know, Barry Vorson had that pipeline into New York and New York State and all that area and, you know, even into Philadelphia. And Pitt was a good target for that. He could get those kids to come here. Now that they're in the ACC, Mark, those kids that are ACC talent, there's three or four names that, you know, get all the good talent in the ACC. Pitt is not near. They're not even... It, midway through that conversation. They got to turn things around. Crean's a fast break guy. Bob, it's crisis stage, though. Absolutely. When that relatively new basketball arena is two-thirds empty, it's crisis stage. You can't go for the long fix. You need a semi-quick fix. Not immediate, but if this thing's not back up and that arena 90% full within two years... I don't know if you're ever going to really and truly dig out. Well, the other thing, Mark, is like you mentioned, with the talent you know, around here not being what it used to be with the pipelines, I don't know if you get the best coach available out there and he's able to do that within three, four, even five years. It's going to be quite a project. I think you're probably right, but I'm telling you what they really do need to shoot for. That's Bob McLaughlin, brought you by 84 Lumber. Uh, up next, this, this, this list... Uh, is pretty funny. Trust me on this one. It's off the beaten path, but it is funny. And we got Dejan at the bottom of the hour. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9.